Amen. Now, listen, I want to talk about supernatural provision. Yeah. Now, I, this is very important, and I'm going to need your engagement. You know, Pastor Chris tells us all the time, I need your energy. I need your energy because you ought to be excited about what God is doing. But when I talk about supernatural provision, I want to be clear. I am not talking about magic. The kingdom of God is not magic. Amen. Now, one of the things that Dr. Hillier says is that you can believe for a miracle, but you cannot predict the miracle. Mm -hmm. I would like to add a caveat to that, which is that anytime God helps you, it is supernatural. supernatural. It is the miraculous. Right. So what, what I think sometimes happens is that when we talk about supernatural <clears throat> provision, people's minds tend to go to a space that you're just going to be walking down the street and $10,000 is going to fall out of the sky. I would never say what God cannot do. He, Jesus told Peter to pull a fish up out of the water and he paid the taxes. I'm not trying to limit God. But I am saying that we need to understand that the principles of success that God has given us actually release the supernatural power of God in our lives. So the definition of provision is the act of providing or supplying something for use. Yep. That's why the Bible says God has given us all things mm -hmm. that pertain to life and godliness. Mm -hmm. So everything I need to live righteously, God has given it to me. And everything I need to do life in this earth realm, God has given to Amen. me. It is already given to me. Amen. Now, how that actually manifests or comes to play in my life may look different. Mm -hmm. It may look different. So, and I want to talk about that and I want to give you an example because when we talk about provision, we are not just talking about money, but we are talking about money. Mm -hmm. Put in the comments, we are talking everything you need to live. Mm -hmm. When we are talking about provision, we are talking about everything you need to live. If you are struggling with fornication, there is supernatural provision to come out of fornication. If you are struggling with cursing and gossiping and talking too much, there is supernatural provision to come out of that. And and if you have financial lack, there is supernatural provision to come out of that. What does that mean? It means that God has provided and supplied something for use. Yeah. I love this. He has supplied it for use. This gets us to that faith requires Com corresponding action, mm -hmm. right? Now, I want to give you a good example of somebody who tapped into supernatural provision yesterday to get a kingdom result. I don't know if you follow Ivy Smith. I don't know. Did you see Ivy's post yesterday? So Ivy is a hiker. Everybody knows that she came here and went hiking up places and I'm watching my phone to make sure she okay. She's a hiker. She goes hiking with a group of people yesterday and one of the guys in the group is an atheist. So she shares a little bit, but she goes on with the hike. She gets supernatural provision. He provided something for Ivy to use. He told Ivy, the Holy Spirit told Ivy to go ahead and go to Starbucks with the group afterwards. And he said to her, he is interested, meaning the, in, the, the guy who identified as an atheist, he is interested in me. Now understand that is supernatural provision. She doesn't know this man from Adam. Just a word of knowledge for her. She doesn't know this man right. from Adam. She doesn't know his backstory. The Lord tells her to go, and he tells her something about the man that gives her a door. Right. That is supernatural provision. 
we need to understand that supernatural provision is not magic. Many times the supernatural provision of God is an instruction that he gives us to do. And that instruction gets us to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So Ivy goes to Starbucks, even though that's not a part of her plan. Mm -hmm. She engages with the man because she's now received a word of knowledge that says to her, he is interested in me. And the end result is this man gives his life to Jesus. Amen. Tell your neighbor Amen. that was supernatural. Amen. Because nobody gets saved. Nobody gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody gets healed. Nobody gets delivered without the supernatural help of God. And I think it's so important that we bring this together. Are we thankful for the times like when we bought our first house yeah. and the Lord supernaturally took our um took that repossession off of our mm -hmm. thing. That was supernatural. Yeah. But sometimes it's going to be that he's supernaturally going to help you pay something off. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important for us to hear God. And not to put God in a box in how he has to do it. In how he the has to do it. Supernatural needs the, needs the freedom to flow how God wants it to flow, not the direction or, or the way we want it to be. Absolutely. So this provision, this act of providing or supplying we don't get to dictate how it's provided or the supply. Right. Our job is to find out where the provision mm -hmm. is, where the supply is, and to get there. Now, y'all ought to share this because I'm just going to tell you, I'm already preaching better than you say it. Amen. Listen. You need to really stop and think about this, because if you think about God's provision, God's provision is like a scavenger hunt. And it's important for us to understand. Think about this. If you've ever been on, on, on a if you've ever been on a scavenger hunt and somebody organized it, they put the clues and the prizes where you're supposed to be, not where you are. Mm -hmm. Now think about this. If you've ever been, we went, they gave us a scavenger hunt one year for our anniversary. Mm -hmm. We had to drive around to these different places in the city that we had done different things. Every place we went provision the supply was already there so sometimes people's struggle is you are confessing for provision you have sown for provision but you are not in the place where the provision is mm. that is why it's so important especially for those of you who tithe and give you cannot just tithe and give and then ignore all of the other instructions that God gives right. because many of you feel frustrated because you're like, well, I, I'm a tither. I'm faithful. I'm making confession. But the Lord said to you, go get another job. And then you didn't go get another job. And then you got laid off. And you're like, why would God do this to me? When the word came forth from this house and said every partner should make $100,000, that was the word you needed to move if you weren't making $100,000. If you were already making $100,000, we have a thing that says that you should make twice your age and three times as you good. And I think at one time in church, they said go for the quadruple if you already at those things, right? So are we in position to receive? When Jesus says to Peter, when they need to pay the tax bill, when Jesus says to Peter, he tells him where provision is. He says, go and pull up the first fish, which means there were many fish, 
but he's got to go where? To the water, and he's got to pull the fish up, and the provision is where Peter is supposed to be. The provision is not where Peter was. Mm -hmm. When Peter was standing there talking to Jesus, Peter, there was provision already provided for him. But how many of you know that if Peter had gone to the temple, that if Peter had gone to the desert, if Peter had gone to the mountain, he would have missed what God had for him. Even though God had it for him. Even though God had for him. So my encouragement to you is do not miss what is already in place for you because the place it is is uncomfortable and it's unfamiliar and it's not where you are. Amen. 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 Now, and shout out to Ivy for a soul that was added to the kingdom. Amen. Praise God. As far as I know, there were three, there have been in this fast, we've had three people that have come to the Lord like brand new, not backsliders, like never been saved before came to the Lord and we've had several people who were identified as backsliders who come back. So we keep on. Listen, so when we're talking about this, we're looking at these instructions that God has given us. Put this in the comments. The instructions God gives us matter. The instructions God gives us matter. They are not to be discounted. They are not to be dismissed. They are not to be thrown away. The instructions God gives us matter. We cannot treat the provision of God and the instruction of God like a buffet where we pick the part that we want to pick and we don't pick the part that we don't want to pick, right? Now, I want us to redefine, we talked about it before, what is the supernatural? We said super is what? Over, above, beyond, surpassing outside of the natural realm. So what God has said to us is I want to supply for you outside of the natural realm. This means that the provision of God works no matter where you live. Put that in the comments. It works no matter where you live. It works if you live in the country. It works if you live in the city. It works if you live in the suburbs. It works if you live in the states. It works you if you live in Germany. It works everywhere. Why? Because it is not contingent on the world's economy to get you what you need. God is not limited by the economic conditions of this world to get you what you need. Philippians 4 and 19 tells us something very important. It says, my God shall supply your need. My, who supplies our need? Our God supplies our need according to what? His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. How many of you are in Christ? If you're in Christ, raise your hand. If you're in Christ, raise your hand. So then you can see what? that my God is going to supply your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You want to say something? Well, I know I'm going well, fast. No, I'm, I'm just thinking that is true. <clears throat> I think people in the body of Christ have to be careful to grab hope to Philippians and just apply it to their life. Because if you study that out, that only appears one time in scripture. It only appears one time in the entire Bible when, it, when, when he makes that quote, that my God shall supply all of your need according to his reaching glory. Why would he do that? You need to go back and read what were the things that they were required to do. 
And because they had done those things, they didn't qualify to make that statement. A lot of people don't qualify to make that statement. And just because you make the statement doesn't make it true for you. Now you sound it, like me today. You're acting like no, me. No, no, I'm just but just because you're able to say my God shall supply doesn't mean that you even qualify for that statement if you haven't done the things necessary to qualify for that statement. So it is true that God will supply all of your need. It is not true that God will supply all of your need while you do what you want to do. And so I think so I laugh because every time I hear somebody say that, I think better make sure people understand that that ain't something they can just put on a mirror. That ain't something they can just put on a T-shirt or put on a, on, on a bracelet and, and be like, my God shall supply all of my needs. No, he will not. He will supply all of the need that you need in order to do the thing he has told you to do when you are in the place where he has told you to do it. You know, that's so good because we talked about this a lot when we left church yesterday. I mean, last week. Right. <laughs> And one of the things that we have to establish as a foundation is that pro the provision of God is for the obedient. It is. On the other side of obedience is provision. Yep. And I don't know why we keep, I don't know why believers, I could understand why somebody in the world would think this. I don't know why believers keep thinking that you're going to do things the way you want to do it and get God's provision. Because they read the scripture that says what God will do, but they don't understand that God's provision has been already set up based on where we are supposed to be and what we are supposed to be doing. And then when you come into agreement with his word, the provision is there. They just want the provision. Lots of people just want the provision. They just want what God has. Not for me. I want what God has. <laughs> and it doesn't matter that I'm not in the right spot. I just want what God has. And the scripture says I can have it. But what you do is you don't have an, enough biblical literacy to understand that you can't just pull scriptures off of a page and say this belongs to me while leaving the obedience part on the page. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I have a hard time understanding why anybody really thinks that no. because if you, from Old Testament to New Testament, you cannot find one place where you are told about provision or anything that God will do without your obedience. Because believing is a choice. All right. Because believing is a choice. And I can choose to believe that God's going to be good to me even though I'm disobedient. I can believe it. It doesn't make it true, but I can choose to believe that. And so that's the reason that people believe it, because believing is a choice. Well, in the famous words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? That's the question. Now, how is that working that's for the you? Question. If you're violating the principles and you're not doing what God is telling you to do, how is that working for you? How is it working for you to tithe, but then not to apply for the new job? Yep. How is it working for you to tithe and sow and not operate in forgiveness? How is that working for you? And the truth of it is, is that if you tell the truth, it's not working for you, which is why people are in anxiety. People are in stress yes, and people are running around like chickens with their head cut off when yes, God has already made provision. Yes. So it is important that we obey what God is telling us today to do. Now, a part of obedience is also to stay in faith. Mm -hmm. It is to stay in faith, which means that when I'm waiting on provision to show up in the natural, because I believe that I have already received, I must keep my confession. 
I must keep my confession. You know, I've talked to people and they're like, well, why would God do this to me? And why is this not happening for me? And that is not a position of faith. Mm -hmm. The position of faith says, I believe that I receive what God said. And I agree with what God said because faith and obedience cannot be separated. Mm -hmm. Faith and put that in the comments, faith and obedience cannot be separated. And I think this is so important. So anytime we're talking about obedience, we're talking about faith. Anytime we're talking about faith, we're talking about obedience, because even if you do some, here's a, a good example, guys. Let's say you come to church and the Lord says to you, you need to apologize to your husband. And instead of apologizing to your husband, you lift your hands and start worshiping. Understand that while worship is a thing that God wants, God is not interested in you lifting your hands worshiping when he just told you to apologize to your husband. And so a lot of times I say obedience is the only thing that you can offer God. And people begin to make a list of the things that they can offer. But scripture is very clear that God is not interested in you offering him something that's not the thing that he he told you to offer mm -hmm. him. He even would say in the Old Testament, I don't want this sacrifice that you're bringing me because you have not brought me your heart. And so faith and obedience cannot be separated. We must do what he is telling us to do. And no one is exempt. Mm -hmm. No one is exempt. So what does God's best look like for us? Right. He wants us to live over and above what naturally happens. He wants us to live over and above, not the ordinary course of action. He wants us to live the supernatural. He wants us to live the supernatural. He does not want us to be overcome, overtaken, stressed out, anxious about natural circumstances because he's already given us the things that pertain to life and godliness. Mm -hmm. Is this making sense to you guys, right? So this commandment to walk by faith is an invitation to walk above what's normal. And let's be honest, nobody wants what's normal. Do you mm -hmm. want what's normal? You don't want what's normal in this world. You don't want lack to be normal to you. You don't want barely making it to be normal to you. You don't want it to be normal to you that as you get older, you get slower. The Bible says that Moses was as strong when his eyes didn't wax dim when he was over 80. Caleb took the land when he was over 80. You don't want normal. But if you respond like the world or like the average believer, all you can live is normal. Mm -hmm. But God does not want normal for you, right? Last week, we walked through the guiding word. I want to go back to the third paragraph of the guiding word because I think that it is so good. But before we do that, I want to look at Psalms 91 verse 7 in the message translation. It says, even though others succumb all around and drop like flies, right and left, no harm will even graze you. I need somebody to say it won't touch me. When I'm doing when I'm where God has told me to be, it won't touch me. It will not touch me. 
even though I, we have to learn that when we're looking around and we're seeing these things that are happening, we're seeing these economic indicators, we're seeing these things that are happening in the world, our confession needs to be, I walk, I'm walking with God, it will not touch me. And then I need to make sure that I'm actually walking with God and not just making a confession. Because that last part is the, is the requirement for supernatural living. This Psalms 90, Psalms 91 and 7 is a clarion call for those who will live in the supernatural. Yes. It is not a clarion call for those who are going to live average. If you live average, you it will touch you. If you live average, it will affect you. If you live average, it will impact you. This is a clarion call here in Psalms 91 and 7 that says for those that are willing to live a supernatural lifestyle, that over and above lifestyle, that lifestyle that is committed to walking and living by faith, that person will not succumb to the terror or the trials or the situations that come near them. That It won't graze that person. It is not a clarion call for everybody who just says the scripture. You got to, as our grandparents used to say, you got to be living like something. You got to live like something. You have to live like something. And I I said this last week. It's one of the reasons I talk about obedience so much because it saddens me to see so many believers disappointed because literally your verse, and I'm about to say verse, I'm about to say verse, but it's the third paragraph. Where in the third paragraph of the guiding word, what does it say? It says, so prepare yourself Mm. and turn away from godless behavior. Allow my word to cut away all hidden sin and iniquity and then watch me take care of your needs. I want to stop right there and I want to use something because a lot of times when we think godless behavior, we just think sexual sin, cussing and stuff like that. Godless behavior is anything God told you not to do or not doing anything God told you to do. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this yet um, um, Friday when Pastor Cynthia and I were talking and I was thinking about how the Lord set us up for success in, a, in the last time there was a very bad economic downturn. Mm-hmm. In 2008, so there was a horrible recession. But the Lord had given us the instruction. We had moved in our house in 2001, 2002. And ever since we had moved in our house, somebody had lived with us. Mm -hmm. The Lord would say, let this person live with you. Let this person live with you. Let this person live with you. In fact, our kids laughed. Caleb was at Morehouse. They asked him how many siblings he said. He said he got 10 because he counts everybody who ever lived at our house plus Ralph who never lived at our house, right? And so the Lord would just say, and people would say to us, why do you let these people live in your house? Because the Lord told us to. The Lord told us to let these people live in our house. And it was his house. I think that's the thing that people miss. It it was his house. He said, let them live there. Who are we? He's letting us live there. So it so for us, I think that's the difference. It, 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 we, it, it's weird to people sometimes because they don't they don't always process it like that. But that's why we say all the time, God owns everything and we own nothing, but he'll make a steward of a whole lot. Yeah, did y'all hear that? Like <clears throat> everything we have belongs to God. It does. It's his stuff. <clears throat> so God said, let people live with us. We pretty much always had somebody living with us. We and so in 2008, there was a recession. And you um, lost your job like Mm -hmm. a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. And the Lord kept saying to me, he kept saying to me, I don't care what you see. 
I don't care who move out this neighborhood. You will not lose your house. You will not lose your house. You will not lose your house. And we watched a lot of people lose their house in our neighborhood over that next 18 months, two years. Well, we got into a situation where you had gotten a new job, but it was that time in between getting paid. We had used all of our resources, all of that different stuff, and we got behind on a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody knows that if you get behind on a mortgage past that 30th day, in order to catch up, you got to pay two mortgages. Mm -hmm. By the time we got the one mortgage, we did not have the second mortgage. But the Lord kept saying to us, you will not lose your house. You will not lose your house. Literally, we are at the deadline. Tell your neighbor, we at the deadline. It's actually due the next day. You got to pay it the next day or they're going to start foreclosure proceedings. We're like, Lord, we have let these people live with us because you told us to. We have house seed in the ground and we put a demand on what it is that we have. And somebody came to our house and brought us the exact amount. Now, here's the thing. When we told all the testimonies after about what we walked through, nobody knew we were in that situation. Right. And nobody knew we were in that situation because here's we, our thing. We don't tell people who ain't got our answer. We don't talk to people who don't have our answer. And if you're believing God, why are you spending time talking about the problem? You talk to the problem. You talk, you, you, you talk to the person who has the solution. And the Bible says that, you, you, that when you pray, you believe you receive. So if we had prayed, if the Lord had given us a word, we wouldn't lose the house. Then why are we walking around complaining and moping like we're about to lose the house? If you are in faith, you have a posture of faith. And that posture is, Lord, we don't need it till we need it. And that's something that the Brazelton taught us. We, you don't need it until you need it. Need if, need if it's a week away and I don't need it until seven days, I, I don't need it. And literally, we didn't need it till we needed. And when we needed some, the Lord had someone come by and, and sow into our lives. They didn't know it, but the exact amount that we needed. We paid it and never been behind since. And never been behind since because that then text, that then, that, that stretched our faith to then we was like, and we'll never be behind again. Mm -hmm. We'll never be behind again. But the truth of it is, um, there is a scripture that is actually not in the notes, guys. But it is James. It is James, the first chapter. It's James, the first chapter. And I want to go to the King James Version, the fourth verse and the fifth word. The, I mean, no, no, no. I don't want the fourth. I want the fourth verse. Nope. I want the third verse. Okay, tell them what you're reading. Uh -huh. I, want the, <laughs> a whole bunch. I want the tell second the people verse. What you read. James 2 through 4. I want to start at the second verse. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience or consistency or perseverance or perseverance but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing this is the part of the faith journey people don't like yep. he says count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations let, let let's look at what it says
in the New Living Translations, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. Mm -hmm. Man, listen, this is the part of the faith and the supernatural journey that you need to learn how to, what does that look like? It means that anytime any of us stand on a word, the enemy's going to throw fiery darts at us. He is going to use something in the natural to try to make us think that we didn't hear God or God is not being good to us. He says, when these trials come, don't fall apart. When these trials come, don't question God. When these trials come, don't say walking by faith don't work. When these trials come, consider it an opportunity for great joy. When we walk into a trial, one of the things that you will say, that you used to say all the time, you used to say, God already know what he go do. He does. God already know what he go do. And you will say, it's go all work out. Yep. One of our fake confessions. I used to say it's gonna all work. It's gonna all work out because why? It always does. Because it always That's does. I used to say it's all, gonna always it's gonna all work, work out because it, it always, always does. does. Because the scripture says that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord according to who live and breathe and work according to His purpose. And not only that, not only that, but if you and I'm gonna make this shameless. Teach. I'm gonna make this shameless plug. It's not even shameless. If you want to understand the scripture that she just read, you need to go check out that air talk I did on making it through tough times. Yep. It was it was around this entire it scripture. Was. How That's do, what reminded how me of do it. you become a person of faith? How do you because everybody can go through everything that's easy? That it doesn't take a challenge to walk through anything that's, that's where there's no problems. But how do you as a believer make it through tough times? And being a believer doesn't exempt you of tough times because jesus said in his word in this world you're going to have troubles but he didn't just leave it there he says but be of good courage because i have already overcome the world and if we are in him then we too have overcome the world but you got to know what it takes to overcome the world that's why you got to know how to make it through tough times so this is so good it says listen consider trouble as an opportunity mm -hmm. an opportunity for what to see that your faith works yeah. The, the truth for a lot of believers is that a lot of believers want to spend their life in scrimmage mode. Yep. Everybody think they good when they scrimmaging against themselves. Yep. The measure of what I really know is when adversity comes. Yep. The measure of what I really believe is when everything is standing in my face, telling me that what God said will not come to pass. You cannot live in scrimmage mode. Too many people live uh, running from adversity. And, 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 and running from it is not going to save you. You got to learn to see it through. You got to be a person who says, you know what? Running from adversity every time adversity shows up doesn't benefit me. It feels good because I get the pressure off of me, but you never get to accomplish anything great because only greatness can be accomplished when you go through adversity. Jesus went through adversity in order to save the world.
Why do we think we don't have to go through? And, and what we're going through is not the cross. Let's be clear. The Bible says it's a light affliction. A light the affliction. Bible actually says that anything we go anything through is a light, a light affliction. affliction compared to what Jesus went through. And so if Jesus had to go through adversity and he did and he showed us how to do it with dignity, respect and honor and bravery, then why do we think we don't have to do that as believers? So when trouble comes, and it's one of the things people always say, you know, everybody knows that Pastor Edwin and I are a lot. We're really different in a lot of ways. One of our common things is our love for our kids and our love for God. But the thing that we really have that we wish we could give to you is that if it's one thing the Strickland's go do is stalk the stalker. Yeah, you got to have some tenacity. If, no, you got to listen. If you, if, if lack comes for us, if sickness comes for us, when you come after one of our kids, what we gonna do is stalk the stalker. We don't run from a faith fight. Nope. We, we like Goliath, we like David. David ran to Goliath. David ran to Goliath. And so many of you, when trouble comes, you like, why is this happening to me? I'm so faithful to God. You Man, shrink you in the shrink days of adversity. In the days of adversity. And the Bible says, don't do that. Do not shrink in the days of adversity. Because it says that if you shrink, shrink in the day. And this is, think about this. The Bible says, if you shrink in the day of adversity, your strength. Your, 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 well, one translation says, your faith is small. Oh, well, the I think King James says your strength mm, is small. Mm. Okay, so listen well, faith here. faith is your strength. Faith <laughs> is your strength. So think about this. It says when trouble comes, I get to demonstrate what I practice. Mm -hmm. When trouble comes, I get to demonstrate what I practice. And we see, we've got, we talked about this so much because it's like, listen, there is not a promise that if you are a believer, the enemy won't come for your money. There is not a promise it's that the enemy. Opposite. No, there's it's a, actually there's, there's the promise, promise he will. that he will. <laughs> that he will come for your kids. That he will come for your marriage. Baby, one of the best things me and this man right here ever learned. When we learned, when it was revealed to us that when we were arguing that the, it was really the enemy we was fighting. Baby, we listen. I like Marvel movies. I like DC movies. And you know that anytime that you in a good movie, what's going to happen? They're going to have a scene where they able one or two of them is two of them and they go put their back against each other and they go shoot up everything in the place. When we learned that it was the enemy, it wasn't Edwin, it wasn't Sean, it was the enemy who wanted to stop the will of God from coming to pass. We learned how to put ourselves back to back and shoot everything that was coming our way. What do we mean? Shoot it with the arrow of faith. What do we mean? Take the sword of the word and cut it up. Listen here. Faith is not for punks. I used to teach all the time. You can't be a faith punk. Faith is not for punks. We don't cave in. We don't quit. We don't back up. In fact, you know, the one of my favorite scenes out of a movie is um, when he says, I'll be a huckleberry. 
If you really believe God is with you, when the enemy come, you ought to say, I'll be your huckleberry. I know you didn't play with my money. I know you didn't play with my kids. I know you didn't play with my health. Not, oh my God, I'm crying. It's funny. I was talking to one of my kids yesterday. We're believing for something in our family. And one of my kids, they were like in their emotions. And I'm hugging them and letting them get out of their emotions and all of that stuff because emotions are a real thing. And then... The, the, the kid is just, at some point, the emotions are spiraling. And I said, if you want a different outcome, you better do something beside cry. You better get up and speak the word over this thing because you just laying there crying is not going to get you the outcome that you want. I don't have time to whine and complain when the enemy is coming against me. I got to speak the word. I got to have the word in my heart so I speak the word. And one of the things I love about you, it looks very different for us. You are, you play a lot more than I do. All of that different stuff. But one of the things I like about you is that, baby, when it's time to go to war, you like, oh, okay, let, yeah. let, let's do yeah. this thing. Yeah. If we're going to fight, then fight. And, and the Bible says that we don't, we don't fight a natural fight. That our fight is a spiritual fight. And so if we're going to fight a spiritual fight, I know, what, so I know whose side I'm on. So I'm guaranteed of the outcome. So I'm willing to take whatever punches you throw, whatever kicks you throw, whatever whatever blows you land. Cause in the end, I may be I may be pressed down, but I'm not gonna be perplexed. Come on, I'm not gonna be cast Come down. On. You better and I'm testify. not gonna lose. I'm not gonna cave in. I'm not gonna give up, and I'm not gonna quit. Whatever licking you throw out, I can take it because my God is greater than whatever problem or situation is coming my way. So you want to fight? Let's go. I'll be a huckleberry. Let's now, go. then what's going to happen, though, because you played with me, because there's a promise that tells me that once the thief be caught, he must replay. Yeah. We must repay sevenfold. So what happens is this is this is how I see things. See, if the <clears throat> enemy had just left me and strict alone and just let us be good, average, carnal Christians. We never would have had to learn the word the way that we learned the word. And we never would have changed our own marriage and then put and changed other people's mm -hmm. marriages. See, your thing got to be like this. If you play with my marriage, not only will I turn my marriage, but now I'm about to go help 10 other people turn their marriage too. Mm -hmm. Because you didn't have no business playing with me because I belong to the most high God. See, you got to get a spirit of David on the inside of you. When David showed... The, the the background the um the note people like where what scriptures is they use it. like listen <laughs> think about this don't even worry about David's it, father <laughs> don't even worry about it, sweetheart David's father sends him to check on his brothers mm -hmm. he gets there now the Bible done already told us that Saul was taller the head and shoulder above all of the rest of the Israelites David gets there and David sees that they are cowering behind. But while he's there to find out what happened, his brother making fun of him for being there and when his daddy sent him. And David is talking and David overhears them and he says that the king has said that to whoever can kill Goliath, he is going to give him his daughter, he is going to make him rich and he's going to make his family free for a lifetime. Because faith comes by hearing. Mm -hmm. So David says, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. He turns somebody else. He says, what? Is the reward for killing? What's the reward? See, you gotta because first of all, who Come is on. who is this to defile? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because that was his indignation at first. It was who is this? Who is this person 
who would seek to defile the armies of the Lord. Who is this person? He says, wait, and then it's a reward. And it's a reward? <laughs> it is, you better tell your neighbor, money, it's a reward for your woman, faith. And freedom. Because <laughs> if you read the Bible, you need to read it. He was like, wait, it's a wait, woman. Wait, somebody pull that up. It's a me. woman. Somebody it's it money and it's freedom. Because there's always a reward he for says, walking with God. Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> now, now, his brothers got mad at him, but yeah. they mainly got mad because they was big scared. Right. And they was like, how dare David come here? So he goes in and he talks to Saul, and Saul is talking to him. Saul is in the tent talking to mm -hmm. him. And he's like, you just a lad. And then David starts prophesying to Saul. He starts reading his resume to him. He says, listen here, I may look like a little shepherd mm -hmm. boy to you. He said, but one time there was a bear that came and took a sheep. And I chased the bear down, killed a bear, and recovered the sheep. But then, this is my favorite one. He says, and then a lion came. And a lion grabbed the sheep. And he says, I grabbed the lion by his mane. The Bible says the enemy as is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. David was modeling the type of faith that will grab that lion and put him in his place and take what he's trying to take from you. Saul says, I'm going to let you go. But you got to wear my armor. So Saul puts the, but they put the armor on and he went, yeah, this ain't how I fight. Yeah. This your, ain't your faith ain't my faith. Your faith ain't my faith. This <laughs> your ain't, faith ain't this my faith. It don't fit right. This, this ain't is, how this I fight. Ain't, this ain't how the Lord told me to show up. And I really feel like that David was really saying, this is just my sanctified imagination, that if you were scared to go out there with that mm. armor on, why would I put your armor your on and go? Your faith ain't my faith. Your faith ain't my faith. Your faith had you in this tent. Your faith had you in this tent. My faith about to make me run toward the problem, not away from the problem. My faith make me run toward. We, we, we ain't the same. We ain't the same. We different. We ain't the same. <laughs> we ain't the same. We different. We ain't the same. But every one of you got the measure of faith. Mm. So every one of you got the kind of mm -hmm. faith that we're talking about. You just got to learn what to do in adversity. Now, let me finish this story with mm -hmm. David because I learned something yesterday that I ain't told you yet. So... David goes out, he takes five smooth stones. Mm -hmm. Historians say the reason that he took five stones is that Goliath had four brothers mm -hmm. and he was prepared to take them down too. Well, and I, some historians say it represents the Pentateuch, which was what he would have had at his disposal at that time, which is the first five books of the Bible. But that's just what historians that's say. That's just what historians <laughs> say. That's but why either way, he had five. <laughs> But how many, how many know God will give you more than what you need? God will give you more than what you need. Now, I just read this yesterday that they said that, you know, Goliath had on a helmet mm -hmm. like Saul would have mm -hmm. had on. He did. And they say that what happened is, is that when Goliath laughed, the helmet flew back which is how David hit him in the head. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, you think God don't orchestrate everything? This and they, Goliath is so arrogant, which is how the enemy, he is a, he is a type and shadow of the enemy. And so he says, um, they, Goliath says, am I a dog that you would bring you, you like, what kind of warrior do you think I am? that you brought this little boy to me. He's insulted and he laughs while David is running. And while David is running toward him, he draws that slingshot back and knocks that sucker out. Off his feet. Off his feet. Now, David didn't have a sword. So how did he cut off his head? 
he took the enemy's sword and cut off his own head. You got to grow up and understand this. I, I so what you're saying is you got to use your faith in order to get ahead in life. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to use your faith in order to get ahead in life. Because he cut that joke ahead off. Now you should know real talk. This is how we talk at home. This, this is what we do at home. We take the scripture. We don't talk our problems at home. We'll get into it next week. But if you look at Mark 11, 23, it, Jesus said to say to the mountain, not to talk about the mountain. Mm -hmm. Many of you are proficient at talking about your problem. But the instruction that Jesus gives you is to talk to your situation. What does talking to your situation look like? Talking to your situation looks like this. I know that God has already provided for me because I brought my tithes and offering into the storehouse so you can't keep this money from me. This money is on its way to me. And right now I command every dime that belongs to me in this season to come to me. I know that it looks like my body is hurting and you think you can make my body hurt enough to make me question God. But I am fully persuaded that what God said is true and by his stripes I'm already heal so you can play if you want to but we both know you defeated right faith has a posture it does faith, faith has an attitude faith has a it's one of the reasons that people hate good athletes mm -hmm. because good at malcolm um um martin luther i'm thinking what no muhammad ali i'm thinking <laughs> but i didn't know all, i didn't know where, where was you was going, going. <laughs> I was open to going with you, but I didn't know where you was going. Muhammad Ali, man, Muhammad Ali literally ain't never showed up talking about, I wonder what's going to happen. No. He telling people before, I'm going to float like a butterfly, I'm going to sting like a bee, because ain't nobody greater than Muhammad Ali. That's in his own confidence mm -hmm. and strength. Just the other week, we watched Floyd Mayweather in an in an expo fight who done talked so much stuff in the fight that he done made the man so mad they done had to stop the fight and he done got suspended because faith says something. Mm -hmm. Faith says something. Faith says something. What is your faith saying? Your faith, some of your faith is saying we ain't got the money. Mm. Some of your faith is saying it don't never work out for us. Some of your faith is saying ain't no way I could get a job in this economy. And can I tell you something? The sad part is it's working. It's working. You're, what you're saying is working. What you're saying and, and, and is working. And that's the sad part. You, you, you are full of faith. And because you are full of faith and you say things like you don't know what you're going to do, you don't know how it's going to work out, you don't know how you're going to overcome, that's exactly what you receive in your life. It's exactly what you receive in your life. So if you want to change that, change what you're saying. But you're never going to change what you're saying until you change what's in your heart, until you change what's around you, until you change what you're thinking. You got to you got to tame those other three areas in order for you to tame that mouth. But you need to do it in order to be a person who walks by faith and not just talks about faith. You know, one of the things that we know, and Paul actually talks about this walk of faith. He talks about it like being like a war, but he also talks about it being like an athletic battle. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we know, anything, you know, um, Jordan said to me yesterday, she said, you and dad will watch any sport. We really will because mm -hmm. we, we we like competition, especially when it get down to the end. Yeah, yeah. We, we want to we like competition. I want to see the best compete. I want to see the best compete. But understand this, that anybody knows 
that if you're going to be a good athlete, you actually study your opponent. Mm -hmm. You study your opponent. You know, um, when Tay played basketball, they watch film. You study your opponent to know that the opponent that you paired up against always goes to the left. They never go to the right. So then your strategy begins to come to force them to go to the right because they are undeveloped and going to the right. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Because the enemy has studied many of you, mm -hmm. he knows that when pressure comes, you always start to question God. Mm. He knows that when pressure comes, you always retreat. Yep. He knows that when pressure comes, you're always going to find a way to dress up wisdom to justify not doing God. what God says. He has studied you and he knows that you don't know what to do if he cuts off the baseline. He knows that what you're going to do. And one of the things that we find sometimes is that if you take a team and a team, we really learn what a team is about when they down. Yeah. We don't learn what a team is about when they're up. Yep. We learn what a team is about when they are down. You find out. You can have some of the best athletes, and I'm, I want to take basketball. You can have some of the, the top five on the floor. They go be one and done. When they finish this first year, they are going to go to the league. But what happens when a team that is supposedly not as talented begins to fundamentally work that ball on them and they look up and they down by 17? Mm -hmm. Do you drop your head does your or change? does your posture change mm -hmm. or do you see it as an opportunity to show what you are made of? Mm -hmm. Now, listen, we got these five things we go do. You don't pull them up. Are y'all getting something from this? So when God says supernatural provision belongs to me, why would I settle for something else? Mm -hmm. Why would I settle for something else? Because God has unusual and unlimited avenues of provision that supersede all natural limitations. Mm -hmm. Why would I let a mortgage company tell me I can't have a house when the Lord said I could? Why would I let one HR or 13 HR people tell me I can't get a new job when God already said I could? Mm -hmm. I was reminded yesterday that um, Bill Johnson, not Bill Johnson, Bill Winston was talking about when his wife was believing for a job. And when you believe you receive, you take it as yours before you see it. So she had gone into prayer and she had gotten a word from the Lord that she was getting a job, that the job was hers. So every time somebody would come over and they would say to her, um, how's your job search going? She would say, I got a new job. And they would say, well, where is it? She said, well, I don't know where it is yet, but I got a new job. Mm -hmm. Cause in her mind, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. Because at that point, that's as far as her faith could take her. She didn't know where it was going to be cause it hadn't been revealed yet, but she knew it existed. And so she did to start to, to declare that that is what was her reality. And most of the time, what we, we we don't realize, we're declaring our reality when we say stuff like, well, you know, I just got to manage this high blood pressure. Rather than saying, by his stripes, I am healed. How's that blood pressure going? I'm healed. How's that blood pressure going? Oh, you know, it's just as long as I take my medicine. I've, you got to decide which one you're going to live by. What is your reality going to be? What is your reality going to be? And so how do we walk by faith? Let's go over these and then we're going to end with a good example today. I mean, I've used it three times and it's, it's making sense for the people. It's an old example. To, it's old to us, but it's new to some of them. How do we walk by faith? We must take God seriously. Mm. I heard mom say that so many times. Oh, so many times. 
you don't why isn't you don't you not at peace because you, <laughs> you, don't, you don't, don't take, take God, God seriously. seriously now let me give you an example that you go understand the, everybody in their family everybody probably has somebody in their family or somebody in their life that if they tell you they're going to do something it's settled for you for me that was my grandmother mm. now back then we didn't have cash out Back then, I don't know if we had Western Union. What I do know that if I called my grandmama and I told my grandmama I need $20 and my grandmama told me the $20 was on the way, I didn't worry about that $20 anymore. Why? Because I trusted the word of the person who gave it to me. One of the things that I say to people that if you want to know if you are taking God seriously is are you in a place of ease? Mm. Are you in a place of ease? If you what tell, a guy that works is when we partner with God, great ease will come up. Great on us. ease will come up on you. Now I got other people in my family. If they had told me they was gonna send me twenty dollars, I don't really have no peace till I go to that little mailbox down mm. there in the dorm and see it in there. Cause maybe they made it to the mailbox and maybe they didn't, and maybe they really had twenty dollars <laughs> and maybe they really did. But if you Ola Johnson said to me, Sean, I'm sending you twenty dollars, I could count on the fact that even though the twenty dollars was still in Fordyce, the twenty dollars was in Fayetteville, yeah. the twenty dollars already yeah. belonged to me. That's so facts. if you have ever had somebody in your life that you know that they do what they say, now my grandma was limited. Mm -hmm. My grandma was limited. Mm -hmm. God is not limited. So the truth of it is you got to ask yourself, do you trust God like the person you trust the most? Mm -hmm. If Edwin Strickland tells me he's going to do something, let me tell you something. Let's go to Jordan because we don't use Jordan that much. If Edwin told Jordan he go get her some French fries, do y'all know Jordan won't let us go get her no fries? She won't. I said, Jordan, I can get you surprised. She said, no, my daddy said to go get me some fries. Yep. My dad, my dad, go bring me some fries when he comes back. She like, I don't need you to go get me no fries because my dad has. If my dad said it, the fries are as good as here. Do you know that that girl will wait on him to bring the fries when I could have the fries back faster? But it's an evidence that her faith is that if her daddy tell her something, it's a done deal yeah. i don't need you to bring me no fries mama because daddy already said he go bring me some fries so i don't need nothing the devil has to offer when god done already told me he would take care of it i don't need a plan b when god has already told me he's gonna take care of it we must take god seriously Amen. make your confession i take god seriously mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I take God serious. You know, as a as a scriptural reference, we won't read the whole thing, but you should make a note of this. You should read Matthew 17, 14 through 20 out of the message translation. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. You've probably read it before. It's the story of when um, the, the, the young man, um, you know, what, 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 what his son was throwing himself into the fire and all those things. But what's interesting is in verse 19, the Bible says that when his disciples got Jesus to himself, they asked him the question, why could we not throw this, this demon out? And in verse 20, in the message translation, he says, because you're not yet taking God seriously. So when things are happening in my life, that's the question I ask myself. Am I taking God serious about this? I got this report from the doctor and I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about it and I'm thinking about it and it's consuming me. Am I taking God serious that by his stripes I'm healed? I got this financial situation that I'm facing in my life preach. and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I'm staying up at night. I'm starting to grind my teeth again. I have to ask myself, am I taking God seriously concerning his word that he'll supply everything that I need? 
Amen. So you, you so so you gotta ask yourself. Am I taking God seriously, not globally, but am I taking God serious about whatever it is that's stressing me? About whatever it is that's stressing me. Because the Bible says when we believe, we enter into rest. rest. Yes. We enter into rest. Number two, I must genuinely repent. Come on. When Jesus says to them, you're not taking God seriously, that's not the time to argue. That's not the time to try to prove that you are. Literally, I have to turn. I, I, this is not crying. This is not laying on the floor. This is me going, ooh, Sean, you was trusting in mm -hmm. yourself. Ooh, Sean, you was looking at the economy. Ooh, Sean, you was looking at your credit score. I repent for looking at something other than God. Yep. That's it. That's the key. I repent for looking at something else. Other than God, my, my bank account, my network connections, my, my education, my friend, whatever it is, I repent for looking at something other than God. Now, now it's so funny because we've had this conversation about three times this weekend. Now, that doesn't mean when we're believing for something that we not having a conversation about how it could be done. Right. So me and Strick talking about, okay, well, if we will when we, we'll get the boy's house, we'll get the boy's house. We could do this. We could do this. We could do this. Right. And then we're, we're talking about it. But then what we're going to say is, but God, which of these things, if any of these things, do you want us to do? Believing that we receive by faith doesn't mean we don't have a conversation about how something could be done. Because we believe we received for the house when we found out there was a need. Yes. Once there was a need for them to have a house, rather than standing in an apartment, it became a need. Our God supplies all of our need because we qualify according to Philippians 4, 1 through 18. <laughs> when he said in verse 19, we qualify. So once that, so once there was a need, then we said, okay, we believe we received the house. We believe we received the house. So we had the house then. Everything else was just a matter of walking it out. Did y'all hear what we just it said? It was just a matter Everything of walking it out. just a matter of walking it out. That's why when we didn't get the bid on the first house, we didn't panic. When we didn't get the bid on the second house, we didn't panic. When we got the bid, they said, oh, it's going to be a problem. We're not going to know if we can close at this time or not. It wasn't a problem. It was an irritant, but it wasn't a problem. We didn't panic. Why? Because the house is already ours. We got the house back there when there was a need. We got the house when there was a need. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? If you can get anything out of today's message, get this. When there is a need, you receive what you need to cover the need then. Everything else is just a matter of walking out the And process. then you say it. Yes. And you say and it. You, and you not only do you say it, you have to you have to go beyond mentally ascending to it. You have to believe it in the same way you believe that 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 you are who you are. You you preach it today <laughs> because then what would happen is is that our realtor would call us and apologize. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I was I said, sweetie. The Lord know we need a house. Yes. He already know where the house is. Mm -hmm. If that house didn't work out, he then it must not be the house. Another one. Now, here is where faith got involved. What we ultimately ended up getting was the house that they wanted the most. Mm -hmm. They originally said that we did not get the house. They had to come back to us because that was the house that that was the house that Caleb kept saying. But that's the house I really want. Mm -hmm. But that's the we house we looked I at really a bunch of others, and then the last. In fact, I had went back to Atlanta again, and we went to another neighborhood 
a little further out and it was a house that looked, I hadn't seen the one that they, they said, this looks like the other place. It's just further out. And, they, and we were and we were like, well, you know, you could because they were gonna have to build this one. We was like, well, they could build it. We can put you in some short term housing for a little while, but then you would have the house that you want. But God already knew what He was gonna do. So the place that they had saw that was already built that didn't need short term living, God already had it available. We just had to hold on to that faith. We had to walk it out. We had to walk it out, guys. Listen, one of the things I learned from Dr. Ivy Hillier, Dr. Ivy Hillier talks about, I don't remember the number, but I think they applied said, for 21 times. 20, I was going to say 21, 21 times. times they got the Lord know. told them to go buy a house. Yep. The Lord told them to go buy a house. And they got turned down 21 by 21 different banks. mortgage banks. 21 banks turned them down. Let me ask you, do you have it in you to get turned down five times? You know why you know why you can't take being turned down because you don't believe it's yours. See, because you don't yet take God seriously. Because you don't take God <laughs> seriously. See, if something is mine and you say no, you must not be the person. Mm -hmm. But that don't mean my yes ain't out there. Mm -hmm. Now you said no, you just ain't my yes. Mm -hmm. But my yes is out there. Faith believes my yes is out there. Mm -hmm. Then number three, that's gonna put me in radical obedience mm -hmm. so i'm gonna take god seriously i'm gonna repent and then it's gonna put me in radical obedience i'm gonna do everything he tell me to do no matter how crazy it seems that means i might have some friends who say i'm crazy i might have some family members who say i'm crazy i might even question my own sanity sometimes but at the end of the day i'm gonna be found obeying god now let me give married couples this thing because we just talked about this it's really important that when we are talking, because sometimes God gives it to you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God gives it to me. Sometimes it comes to us at the same time. Sometimes he gives it in pieces. Sometimes he gives it in pieces. It is very important that when one of us is standing in faith, when we, when, because sometimes somebody gets the picture faster than the other picture, that we don't now see that person as our enemy. Right. It is important that we now say to that person, Babe, this is what I believe the Lord is saying. Mm -hmm. And this is the way I believe the Lord is saying to do. And we give that person, because I think this is the thing we don't realize. When God says something to me first, when God says something to you first, what happens is you've had an opportunity to come into agreement with mm -hmm. it. You now got Even if coming into agreement is instantaneous, you still had the opportunity to come into agreement with it. And so you got to give the person you're partnering with an opportunity to come into agreement with what you're saying. But sometimes that means explaining, hey, babe, this is the way I believe God is telling us to do this. And I think that language is important because one of the things that we try to make sure to, to communicate with each other is it's not that, hey, I think we should do it this way because you thinking we should do it this way. OK, you think that. And the question becomes, what did God say? Are you telling me you think we should do it this way because that's just a feeling you have? Or are you telling me you think we should do it this way because that's what you would like to have happen? Or are you saying to me, God said this is the way we need to do it? Because remember what we've always said, faith begins where the will of God is known. So if you know, so I'm, so now I'm trusting the God in you, not the, not the intellect in you, not the guilt, not the gut feeling in you. But if you have said, 
I heard from God and God said, do X. Then I'm going to trust the God in you. Then I'm going to put my faith with yours. But until we've had that conversation, everything else is just dialogue back and forth. Do it's, just, see that? it's just the idea of what could happen and what we're thinking. But until we get a word from God, then that's what we align our faith with. Is this making sense to y'all? So it's like, we got to learn how to partner together. Then number four, we got to speak the word. Mm -hmm. Y'all want to stay for my example that mm -hmm. I'm going to use because it's going to help you. You want to speak the word. When I believe I receive, every time the realtor said to me, I'm sorry, I said to her, God already knows where our house is. Stop saying you're sorry. Stop <laughs> saying you're sorry. Stop saying you're sorry because you can't get for me what God ain't given right. to me. You can't get for me what God hasn't given to me, right? So we say what God has said. Yes. We said that Jordan could talk before Jordan could mm -hmm. talk. We say that we are healed even when our body is hurting. We say what God has said. And there are times, I know there are times, that Edwin has believed for something and he his faith has been stronger than mine because... And vice versa. Yeah, but I'm talking about, yes, I'm, I'm yes, just talking about yes. myself that there have been times that I just had to say, I just trust God in you. Mm -hmm. I can't see how we're going to do that, but I trust that you hear from God. Because let me tell you something, you ain't always got to be the lead on the faith project. Right. You do not always have to be the lead right. on the faith project. It ain't always got to be your idea. Sometimes you ain't the you can only be person. Support. Sometimes you can be support. And let me tell y'all something. Sometimes your kids will give you the word mm -hmm. from the Lord. Your kids will come in and say something to you. And you better learn how to discern that it was your kids. It was your pastor. It was a lady who checked you out, who literally gave you the word of the Lord for your life, which mm -hmm. is where you bet why you better be able to proceed. Right? Married couples, we are not enemies. You're not. We are not enemies. Now, one of us may be slower in faith in one area. Another one may be faster in another area, but we are not enemies, mm -hmm. right? We speak the word and we give thanks. Mm -hmm. Lord, I thank you. So when it was looking like that, we that it looked like the boys weren't going to have no place. We was working it out. Now, how are we going to get their stuff moved? Uh, Caleb want this wall painted right here. What, what, what are we going to do to make this done, get done right here? Because we're thanking God and preparing for what God has said. Mm -hmm. It's just like having a baby. Nobody gets pregnant who wants to be pregnant and doesn't start to act like they know at some point the baby is coming out. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to give you all this example. I need your help. I need your participation. We're getting ready to go. You can sow your seeds. You can rededicate your life. You can become a partner. But listen, I want you to use this example. It's a good old example, babe. You go remember this example. It's one of the first faith examples we learned. If you have a dog, put a one in the comments. <laughs> if you have a dog, put a one in the comments. If you do not have a dog, put a two in the comments. I want to see these. If you got a dog, put a one in the comments. Take about 12 seconds for them to hear. Uh-huh. If you don't have a dog, put a dog in. Put a two in the comments. <laughs> put a two in the comments. <laughs> I'm excited. You know, when That's I get excited, my word. You you, so you don't have a dog. Let me, let me tell you what I know about the number twos. The number twos have never gone to their door and called for a dog because they don't have one. That's right. They've never done it. You have never, the people who put number two, 
You did not get up this morning and say, spot come. You did not get up this morning and say, pudding come. Why? Because you don't have a dog. But if you have a dog, has there ever been a time that you could not see your dog, but you still called your dog because you knew you had a dog? Mm -hmm. That's what faith looks like. Yeah. When you know you have a dog, you call for the dog even when you can't see it. You've gone, it, literally, it was so funny, baby. I did this example for Inner Circle the other day, and Harley and Maggie was looking at me, and I said, Harley, Maggie, come here, and they didn't get up. <laughs> I said, Maggie, Harley, come here. They still didn't get up. You know what I didn't say? Yeah. I ain't got a dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I called them because they are mine. And I told them to get to their proper place. If you have a dog that you cannot see, you are gonna call that dog to come to its proper place. When you believe that provision is yours, you will call that provision to you because it's yours. The reason you ain't call healing to you is because you don't believe it's yours. The reason you didn't call the money to you is because you don't believe it's yours. The reason you didn't call the job to you is because you don't believe it's yours. You are operating in faith as a number two. But if you have ever had a dog, even if you don't have one right now, baby, mm -hmm. if you have ever had a dog, you know there is a point where you cannot see your dog, but you still know you have a dog. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I know I have a dog, even though I can't see the dog, which is the reason I would go to my porch and say, Harley, Maggie, come here. I call it because it's mine. You ain't saying nothing because you don't own nothing. You ain't saying nothing because you ain't own nothing. You don't say anything. You ain't saying that. You ain't saying nothing because you don't own nothing. Mm. So if you ever want to know if you think you own something, watch what you're calling. Because mm. what you're calling will always tell you what you own. Because if you call it, if, if you what you own, you will always call what you own. Listen, I think about my own life. I done called some jobs home. Baby, you don't call some jobs home. <laughs> I done called some business. You don't call some jobs. Some corporations home. to come and relocate. It ain't, ain't even here no more. You. <laughs> If you believe God gave you something, mm -hmm. you call it to you. Hear what I'm saying. Let me make this one last distinction as we get ready to give. When we are calling something, we're not talking to God. Because God has already given it to me. I am calling what God has already given to get to its proper place. That's why faith aggravates yeah, people yeah. who ain't in faith. Because you can't just call everything. Because you can't just call everything. And you can't call what don't belong to you. And you you said what belongs to you. Can't, I can't go out on the porch and call Ingrid and Fritz. Those are our neighbor's dogs. They are neighbor's dogs. I would be in violation of calling their property to mine. So what I heard you say is you can't call somebody else spouse. You sure can't. You can't call somebody else spouse. You, sure can. you can't call somebody else job. You I was sure talking can. to a young lady yesterday in um in the master class, and she was saying, I want this job right here. Now I want you to hear what I'm saying. You can call a job. Mm -hmm. You cannot call that job unless God specifically unless God told specifically you it's your job. your job. So where a lot of people get messed up is you said it at the beginning, is you want to decide mm -hmm. how God is going to do it. 
So you say, I'm getting a new job at my company. Is that what God said? Or did God just say you was getting a new job? You said, I'm getting a new job in my new house in my neighborhood. Is that what God said? Or is that just what you want? You have to learn. And so I can say this. I believe I receive a new house. Mm -hmm. Where is it? Mm -hmm. I don't know. God, but I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe and God I will receive. tell me the rest. And God will tell me the, 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 the where is part of the process. The but where, I believe I receive right the now. The where is where I don't lose. Mm-hmm. The, the, the where is where I don't mm-hmm. lose hope. Mm-hmm. The where because I already know what He said. Is this making sense to y'all? Listen, it's Father's Day, and we got a good, good father. Did that dog example make sense to you? And so what happens is, is that when somebody believes they receive. When somebody believes they receive, your posture changes. Your posture, and and people don't understand this because people would say things to me like, what are you going to do if Jordan doesn't talk? It's not even in the realm of possibility. I don't even know what you mean. I don't even know what you mean. That's why faith vexes people. I don't even know what you mean. I don't even know what you mean. What do you mean if Jordan doesn't talk? Because I've already seen Jordan talk. I don't know what you mean. What I you d- mean. It does not compute. You got to get to the point that doubt don't compute. Yeah. Doubt don't compute. Which is why people think you're crazy. You need, to, you need to learn to believe more in Jesus than you do doubt. You need to learn to believe more in Jesus. <laughs> believe more in Jesus than you do your doubt. If you believe in Jesus, why are you even considering doubt? Listen, let me tell you something. I got some people in my life who ain't necessarily living for the Lord. I be hugging them saying, I ain't moved by what you're doing. Cause mm-hmm. I don't say it out loud. I be hugging them. They be like, oh God, mommy, I love you so much. I be like, oh, your life belongs to the Lord. You don't even know it. You don't even know it. You don't even know it. Doubt does not compute. Mm-hmm. If I'm selling a house, my house already sold. Absolutely. It's already sold. Now it may take some time before the buyer come out, but it's already a buyer. God has already raised up somebody who's looking for the house that I'm selling. Yeah. If I'm looking for a car, God has already raised up somebody that's selling the car that I'm looking for. I say it all the time. The enemy wants to use time to wear you out. He wants to use time to wear you out of your faith. And if you are a person who is focused on time, he will wear you out. Because it won't happen as fast as you want to. But when something's already done, there is no time. When something's already done, there is no time frame. It's only a time frame when you keep saying things like, it's going to be. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to be healed. That's Now you're introducing time. But when you say, Ooh. I have a new job. When you say, I, ha- I am healed. When you say, I, I, my relationship is fixed. Then you get time out of the way. And now he can't use time to wear you out. Because you believe that you you receive. receive. You believe that you receive. When you, but listen, we about to, listen, we going to switch right on into this and we going to get right on into, in the next couple of weeks or so, the foundations of faith. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that we understand is that most believers do not know how to walk by faith. Man, I see y'all sticking on, but most believers don't know how to walk by faith. And I was talking to Pastor Tony the other day, and I said, you know, Dad, here's the problem. And then I said it to you. The problem is, is that it is more difficult for people in church to learn how to walk by faith than if you took a brand new belief. Yep. And the reason is because you have spent your life hearing scriptures apart from faith. What do I mean? You heard things like he may not come when you want him, but he always on time. 
You heard things like if it be God's will when it's plainly written in his Bible. So the level of aggression that you have to use to dig up unbelief is different than if somebody was starting from a clean slate. Mm -hmm. So when we begin to teach about faith, and if you want to get a jump start on it, I started last Monday on Strategies for Sex Success, teaching about faith. If you want to learn to walk by faith, you are going to have to give your attention to the word in a different way. We laugh about this. We spent hours retraining our brain, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Tell me about the time we laughed at that lady. So this this our wrap-up story. It's actually a funny story, and we tell it this way because it's true. Because it's sad, because we were it's sad because you don't know what you don't know. Ignorant. But years ago, and I mean years ago, we went to um, probably 28 years maybe ago. Maybe so. It was a long it's, it's, it's a long time ago. But we went, I believe, was it to your cousin's graduation? Sister's your graduation. sister's graduation. And we ended up staying at a lady's house. At her godmother's her house. godmother's house. And her godmother at that time followed somebody we had never heard of. Yes. She followed a man named Creflo A. Dollar. And we thought it was so funny at the time that a preacher would be named Dollar. And then it became even funnier when we found out that at that time we didn't even know a term called a mega church. We had never even heard of that uh, and certainly had never seen a church that was in a dome and set thousands of people. Well, we just just in our ignorance thought that was just, you know, he was like a a, a, Reverend, uh, a Reverend Ike or somebody. And anyway, we went to the woman's house and we're staying there. With our little ignorant She's actually cells. giving us her bedroom. Yes, with our little ignorant cells. And she had on her wall all of her bills. And she had all of what she owed and, and what she needed to pay off. And she had all this stuff. And, and she her had, face and, and, and we didn't we didn't know that. We just said she had some writings. She had writings on the board. So uh, 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 she had writings on the board about how she was going to pay this off and what the Lord was going to do in the seed. She had a list of all the seeds she had sown. And things that had actually been paid yeah, off. and we just thought that was so weird with all her ignorant selves, just laughing about how crazy that is. And she ought to take that money that she given. She ought to take that and, seed and, 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 and she take that bills. seed. She can pay that city bank bill. And we didn't have no understanding at all. And we often think back about how ignorant we were we laugh about we that. laugh about how ignorant we were because when you don't know something you operate in ignorance and now here we are 28 years later literally living out what she had on her wall 28 years ago because what she had on her wall was exactly her faith confession exactly what she needed exactly what she was going to do every she was she was taming her mind she was taming her team she was taming her thoughts and she was taming her tongue 28 years ago when we thought it was funny to be laughing at somebody who was putting everything on a board talking about what the Lord was going to do. But it wouldn't be five years yep. before we were sitting in his church yep. learning from him. Yep. It wouldn't be five years, literally, because the thing I know about God is that if you get hungry, he'll get you answers. Mm-hmm. If you get hungry for God, he'll get you answers. So we didn't just start saying this. It was probably five years later that we were saying, babe, we were so stupid. Mm-hmm. Just talking about that woman, mm-hmm. didn't even know what we, we were talking about. We realized how ignorant we just, were. We just ignorant. And sometimes you just got to admit, 
my my faith position was ignorant. Mm -hmm. It wasn't rooted in the word. It was stupid. It was it, it was dumb. It and was I elementary repent. and childish. Uh -huh. And I it was elementary. It was childish. And this is the thing that we learned right here. She lived at the time in the biggest house of anybody that we knew. So these are the questions we start asking ourselves. <laughs> right. She she had money. She had a good job. She was serving the Lord. And we start asking ourselves, now, are we going to keep listening to broke people who believe that, <laughs> right. that, 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 uh, that who don't believe you ought to have anything, who believe poverty is the will of God? And that $3 is a big offering? That $3 is a big offering, one for the Father, one for the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Are we going to listen to somebody or, and, and, who got some fruit? Who got some fruit? And she had fruit. And she had fruit. And we was like, Lord, we repent for being ignorant. We repent <laughs> And we for sat being down ignorant. and we started learning everything we could about faith and what so, it meant to live by faith. And so some of y'all may want to join us in saying I repent for being ignorant. You said a <laughs> lot of stuff. You, you, you know, if you think about this, people make a joke and they go a faith church or a word church. I wouldn't want to go to no church, ain't no faith church or no word for church. Sure what is y'all doing over there? Um, Poems? If it ain't a faith church and it ain't a word church, what are we doing? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please mm -hmm. God. And so we're going to start teaching you guys the fundamentals of faith. We going back circa to what? Circa 1997 mm -hmm. when we started learning how to walk by faith. But I want you to hear me. For every hour we teach you, you're going to have to put three in by yourself because yeah. you're going to have to dig up what you believe. So I want you to know up front, we're going to come. We're going to teach you an hour. We're going to teach 90 minutes. We may teach two hours teaching faith clinics. What you're going to have to do is say, now I'm going to take this and I'm going to walk every one of these scriptures out. I'm going I'm I'm to spend the next week, two hours a day, studying this out for myself. Absolutely. Yep. You have to get aggressive about it. So, listen, we believe God for your life. Amen. Now, what we're believing God for this church, what we believe in God for all of our partners, is that you walk in supernatural provision and however you need it. Mm -hmm. We're believing God for you that you are the healed of the Lord because Jesus already said it. Yep. We are believing God that you do have all the finances you need because Jesus already said mm -hmm. it. We are believing God that you have a sound mind because Jesus already said it. We believe God for you. Now, what we need you to do is to believe God with us for what God said about you. Amen. And one of the ways that you are going to mark that you believe God is that you obey. Mm -hmm. Amen. Obedience will be key. Obedience will be key. Amen. All right. We love you guys so much. God bless you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers, Father's all the father Day. figures. Listen, y'all go have y'all a good time and um, enjoy your day and um, and y'all get these men some good gifts today. And don't forget, tonight at 7 p.m., we still have That's Solemn good. Surrender Prayer, uh, a Solemn Surrender Fast Prayer Time uh, tonight at 7 p.m. So, again, ask you guys to join us. We're over, we're over halfway through the month, uh, so hang in there. Let's keep going. So join Amen. us tonight at 7 p.m., Central right. Standard Time. We love y'all. Have, have a great, great day. Bye-bye.